Welcome to Type 2 Diabetes Talk, the place where we chat about what really works to treat type 2 diabetes and prediabetes naturally with nutrition and lifestyle. If you're looking to optimize blood sugar and A1C, lose weight, reduce medications, and improve your overall health, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, type 2 diabetes nutrition specialist, Dr. Jetta. Hello, wonderful people. It's Dr. Jetta here, and I can't believe we are heading to the end of the year 2023. And I find that this time of year can be a bit bittersweet for many people. On the one hand, you've probably been enjoying time with family and friends, the celebrations and the downtimes, and feeling fantastic about all those things. But on the other hand, you might be feeling like you've overindulged, your blood sugar levels aren't as great as you'd like them to be, and perhaps you've indulged way too much for an extended period of time during the festivities and you're feeling like you've completely fallen off the wagon and not sure how to get back on. And I also find that this time of year can be a time for reflection. We're thinking back over the year that's passed since we are just about to enter a new one. And we might be thinking about the goals that we set out to achieve and we haven't quite reached those goals. So the expectations we had on ourselves and we might be feeling disappointed, disheartened or completely lacking enthusiasm, lacking motivation. So whatever the case is, it's time to experience a shift. I would love it for you to be able to move forward and feel differently and think differently so that you can realise the possibilities for yourself. And that's why today I've brought on a special guest who is going to help us all experience a shift into a space where we can thrive so that we can move forward into 2024 and beyond and experience life in a new way. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Dr. Doug J. Moore. Welcome to Type 2 Diabetes Talk, Doug. Thank you, Jetta. It's so great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here with me. And, and Doug, you've got a very impressive 40 years of experience in psychology and as life coaching. So I thought before we dig into today's discussion, would you be able to share with our listeners a bit more about yourself and your work? For 40 plus years, I've been a psychologist and life coach. I've been working with people around anxiety, depression, traumas, medical conditions that they were struggling with, and they would feel better. And so then they would say, well, Doug, what's next? And then that led me into life coaching, which is about thriving. So it's, we have a tendency uh, is to kind of go into survival mode. And survival mode is what is our kind of norm. And what's important is to learn how to recognize what survival mode is. It's that resistance to what is. It's that fear that kicks in. It's that frustration, disappointment with ourselves. All of that is survival mode thinking. And it's natural. It's normal. And so what I teach people is to learn how to recognize that 
and then learn how to turn that around into thriving mode. And it's just been a joy to help people learn how to get out of survival and really thrive in life, even with um, uh, major life complications that they might have. One can still thrive. I love this, Doug, and I love that we're going to talk about today some practical strategies that we can shift into this space of thriving. And and I guess some of those things I was just talking about too in the introduction are related to that survival mode. And, you know, I guess um, it's a big topic in a sense, and I'm not sure where to start, but one good place to start, I, I think, considering the things that tend to go on in our mind and some of the things that I just mentioned now are that negative self-judgment, that negative self-talk that tends to be so common, I think, when we're in these situations when it seems such a, a limiting place to be. And I wonder, why on earth do we have this and judge ourselves so harsh, harshly, yeah, often so harshly? I actually think it comes from our ancestors, that if we go back tens of thousands of years, our ancestors literally were in survival mode. In order to really survive, members had to question themselves. What are my skill sets? What am I good at? What am I not good at? And so I think it actually has allowed our species to get to this place for us to question ourselves and be very judgmental of ourselves. And that keeps us, though, in survival mode. So part of what I teach is thriving mode is learning how to be aware or conscious of what works for you rather than judgmental or critical of what works for you. And that's the key. It's natural for us to go into, uh, oh, I can't believe I, I screwed up again today. What is wrong with me? Very common. We, all, we can all go there very easily. The trick is to learn how to, first of all, bring some compassion to yourself and recognize that each situation is an opportunity for you to learn. It's an opportunity for you to grow. It's an opportunity for you to see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So you're saying that, for example, you know, we've come out of the festivities, I'm thinking of I've fallen off the wagon or I might be thinking about the year that's gone. I haven't reached my goals, what I expected. And yeah, I'm beating myself up a bit. And that's a normal and natural response you're saying, but that's also an opportunity for us to use that in a different way. Well, and to learn how to be our own life coach. You know, it's great to have like a sports coach saying, yay, yay, all right, way to go. You know, you're almost there. Keep on going. So we have to learn how to be kind to ourselves. We have to learn how to be our own life coach where we're encouraging ourselves rather than using judgment. We tend to use judgment as a, as a way of forcing ourselves to make a change. We just want to rebel. We resist. And we're actually much more likely to eat something that we don't want to eat as a way of comforting ourselves because we've just finished pressuring ourselves. So we want to get out of that pressuring 
first of all, recognize it's normal. That's why I talked about the ancestors. That's the compassion part that has to come in. Of course, I'm beating myself up, but that's not helpful. That's not going to work for me in the long run. What's going to work for me in the long run is to be aware and to be compassionate and to set reasonable goals, reasonable goals, ones that I can achieve. Yeah, well, that's great. So we can recognize that it's a normal response and not automatically, I guess, go into that self-beating mode and then perhaps have some reflection about the goals. And then you're saying now, talking about how we can set reasonable goals or realistic goals. So can you maybe talk about your approach to goal setting then, Doug, so we can understand that a bit more and how this might fit into the whole picture of moving from that survival to to thrival. I don't know if thrival is a word, but it sounds good. Survival to thrival. (laughs) I'm going to use it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Our tendency in survival mode is to have this vision about where we want to be. And we have this ideal, whether it's around how we're eating, our exercise, whatever, whatever your goal might be, there's a tendency for you to pick this ideal. And then what happens is then we measure ourselves against that ideal. And oftentimes we come up short because it's an ideal goal. The ideal is always further ahead than wherever we are. And so what the trick is, is to use the ideal goal more like you are a traveler headed for the horizon. You're never going to reach the horizon, but you can orient yourself towards the horizon. And when you get off track, when you start to go the opposite direction, you recognize, oh, I'm not headed towards the horizon. And you use the horizon to help orient you towards where you want to go. That's what the ideal is. And the trick is then is to set reasonable goals that that I think that they have to be doable, really doable. And we can we tend to think, oh, well, if I can do it, then what's the point? Why set a goal? Well, because it's about successive approximations towards where you're headed. It's one step at a time. It's like walking on stepping stones. If you start skipping over stepping stones, you're going to fall down into the pond. You've got to take it one step at a time in order to get to the other side of the pond. Right. And I love that idea of, you know, being an explorer. If people can imagine you're, like Doug said, you're a traveler, but imagine you're an explorer. If you were coming to a new land and you're trying to discover what's beyond that horizon, okay, you want, you've got that goal to get there. But once you get to that horizon, what's the next thing ahead? And perhaps as you're going through that exploration process, you're going to come against all sorts of things, but you don't stop just because that happens. You don't let that deter you. You don't beat yourself up because you've gone off track. You just reset your course and you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm headed toward that horizon and all of that's okay. And and then the other thing that Doug said was to set realistic goals. And I think achievable goals. Obviously, it's silly for us to think, oh, I'm going to lose 100 pounds in a week. It's just not going to happen ever. 
So we do have to be realistic about what we can achieve. And often we do set unrealistic goals for ourselves. I think we're aiming for too much and, and that's a good thing, but maybe instead of that, that goal being there at the horizon that you think you've set it at, it's beyond that horizon. It's beyond that next step that you take, right, Doug? Yes, and I'm reminded of any. You go back to the journey analogy that when you're learning to discover a new land, you are definitely going to go down a canyon, and it's a dead end canyon. That's not bad. You now have mapped out where the canyons are, so that you now know not to go down the canyon uh, the next time around. So each of the things that doesn't work for us is an opportunity to learn from. And so this is one of the hallmarks of thriving is we, in survival mode, we get caught up in, look what's happening to me. Thriving is, look what's happening for me. Everything is for you to learn from and to grow from. With that mindset, then you welcome things that don't work out well because now you're learning something about yourself. Rather than beating yourself up, it's like, okay, learned that lesson, tough lesson, but I got it now. And now I can be proactive in reestablishing my goals and finding the tools that I need in order to achieve those goals. Mm, I love that. So we're looking at the opportunity that the challenges bring to us and turning things around in our minds from this isn't happening to me. So if you're reflecting back on the year that's passed and you're feeling disappointed, well, it doesn't matter. Use that as an opportunity to reflect more and think about how you can use that as a positive. You know, maybe a lot's happened too during the year, as, as it no doubt has for, for many of us. But yeah, taking all of the things that perhaps you're thinking about and, and thinking about them as an opportunity, like Doug said, turning them around into this is happening for me. I love that. It's just such a positive way of thinking. And are there specific practical kind of ways that we can recognize these things and snap into this mindset, Doug? Are there, are there tools or is this a, a thing that we consciously do over time or are there, yeah, like practical mm. strategies we can implement? Well, I'm reminded of a, a group I used to run called Lifestyle Weight Management, and I used to run that with a dietitian. And one of our favorite sayings is, each bite is a new beginning. People have a tendency to do all or nothing thinking. Well, I've already gone off plan this morning, so I may as well go off plan for the rest of my day. And it's like, nope. <laughs> each bite, not even each meal, but each bite is a new beginning. And it's an opportunity to practice mindfulness. So learning how to eat in a healthy way allows us to learn how to be fully present in that moment, to ground, take a deep breath, 
and feel your feet on the floor and, and come into this present moment. So mindfulness is a really key piece that allows us to then choose, how do I want to now eat this next bite? And to really enjoy it. So with mindfulness, I find that I actually need less food because I'm enjoying the food that I am eating. In the past, I would like, okay, you know, let's have a whole piece of cake. And it's like, I could just have a bite or two. And if I'm really savoring it, it's satisfying. It's fulfilling. And I found that I didn't need to eat as much. I could still have something, but I didn't have to do the all or nothing. So that's one tool. The other that comes to mind in that regard is your future is dependent upon this present moment. So that it's each present moment builds upon itself. And that's our future. So if you really want to shift your future, it's all about coming into the present moment, being mindful, being grounded, and choosing how you want to think how you want to feel, and how you want to behave. That's the hallmark of thriving, is making those three choices. Being in the present is such an important thing. And letting go of the past too. I mean, just what you said brought up, I guess, for me, because I'd recently gone through some challenging things myself, and I was reading a book. In that book, One of the key things was there was just this sentence and it said, the question was, what should I do moving forward? And the point was, let everything else, the past behind, it doesn't exist anymore. The only question to ask yourself is, what should I do moving forward? And I found myself asking myself that all the time now in in everything I do. And I guess that's the mindfulness that you were just talking about, Doug. That's really what it comes down to is that mindfulness in every moment. So I guess, could people, you've suggested obviously some things there, but could people use any type of question to bring themselves into that mindfulness? Or you said another one was one one bite at a time, not one meal at a time. So you're not just, you know, letting yourself go into that all or nothing mentality, which I think is so incredibly important. What is it that, how do we get to that point? Doug? Well, we get snagged from the past. You're right. The past is over, but we get snagged in it. We get hooked in it. We are constantly reliving the past. And it's, again, natural. It's part of our survival mode because the purpose of reviewing the past is in order to try to prevent it from reoccurring in the future. But what happens is that we look at the past, and we're very judgmental, and we're very critical of ourselves, and we are so harsh on ourselves. We're much harder on ourselves than we are on other people. One of the things I oftentimes ask people, I said, you know what you're telling yourself right now? Would you tell your best friend that same thing? Inevitably, they say, no, of course I wouldn't. I said, well, then I want you to be your own best friend. And I want you to be as kind to yourself as you would be to your best friend. So the trick is to 
look in the past, but again, do it from a mindful place, from a grounded, mindful place that we're looking back not to judge, but to learn from what worked, what didn't work, and what's my plan moving forward based on what didn't work for me. But it's accepting that we're going to fall down when we learn how to ride a bicycle. We always fall over. Children, when they're learning how to stand, they always fall down. Any new skill, we're going to feel uncomfortable, we're going to feel awkward, and we're going to just not do very well at it. And so that's where the kindness comes in and the mindfulness comes in. And so it's reviewing the past in order to learn from it and use that for your future. Yeah. And I was just about to, I had that question in my mind, which you just said, and reviewing the past. So do you think that it's a good idea for us to spend time writing that stuff down, journaling it? Is there a way that we can process that more quickly so that we can move past that stuff? I think journaling is great if you're doing it skillfully. If you're journaling and you're beating yourself up, that's not helpful. Um, If you're journaling it and getting lost in the emotion that just occurred, that's not skillful. Because then you're just perpetuating more angst, more fear, more self-doubt, more self-loathing. So journaling is good if you're using it as a record of this is what happened and what's the lesson. This is what happened and what's the lesson. So you have like two columns. You write out what the description was and then um, beside that, what's the lesson? Then I think journaling is great. Yeah, so you're not letting yourself just go into this self-loathing and self-beating mode. You're you're turning that around. So we can use that skill you talked about earlier where we're saying this is not happening to me, this is happening for me, and that recognizing the opportunity. So when we make those two columns and we think about, okay, this is this is what happened and this is the opportunity, this is the learning that's come out of it. Yes, absolutely. And so I want to go back to, I think at the core of it really is that self-beating, the self, the negative self-talk. Doug, I think that compassion for ourselves and being kind to ourselves is so important. So I would love you to just speak more toward that as well. Well, you're raising a really good point, Jetta, and that is how do we change? How do we change habits? I think this is something that really applies to all of us because we get comfortable in what's familiar. Even if it's not particularly healthy for us, we tend to repeat the same thing over and over again just because it's part of our habit. It's ingrained. So I think it's helpful to look at how do we change How do we make uh, new habits? So learning to be compassionate is learning how to change the habit of being judgmental. So when we recognize that we've been judgmental, we've got to catch it. And then it's like, okay, then what's an alternate way of talking to myself? How can I be more positive? How can I be more compassionate with myself, encouraging? Then you've got to be able to actually say it out loud. So the research is showing that the vagus nerve that runs from the brain down to the gut, which is helpful in us being calm and grounded, 
it's activated when we're saying things out loud. If I say, Doug, you know, you're going to do great at this interview. Actually, that is much more helpful than uh, just thinking it inside. So saying it out loud is a helpful tool. But going back to, to being more compassionate, we catch it each time. We don't catch it once a month. We catch it and replace it. We catch it and replace it. We catch it and replace it. And the more we catch the old thinking of self-judgment and replace it with compassion over time, then the compassion, the self-compassion becomes more habit. It takes a while for our brain, our synapses in the brain to wire around the new thinking. It's through repetition and positive emotion that then we can think differently and feel differently. Mm. So that's so important. And I think it is such an important thing to think about too now coming into the new year. I want you all to think about using this new year as a different opportunity for you and thinking about some of the things that Doug and I have talked about today and taking those things and really starting to more consciously think about what you're doing. Think about what you're feeling as well. Like Doug said, these things don't just happen instantaneously. We have to practice them. We have to put them into repetition. And the more we do that, the more they become a habit, right, Doug? Yes. And I would say you're worth it. You're worth taking the time to really learn how to thrive and to do that consciously. You deserve to enjoy life. And if you don't choose that, your habit is to be judgmental, resistant, fearful, but it doesn't have to be that way. And you deserve to thrive and you deserve to feel good in life. I absolutely agree. And I say that to people all the time. You are worth it. So part of thriving is recognizing that your lovability is inherent. It's not contingent upon what you do. If you can really see your lovability as just your nature, it's inherent. And then you are filled up with that. And from that being filled up with love and compassion and joy and gratitude, that's going to sustain you in whatever changes that you want to make in life. Yes, and it's also not dependent on what other people think of you either. It comes from within yourself, right? right? Absolutely. Wow. So we've covered a lot of amazing things today, Doug. Self-judgment, negative self-talk, self-compassion, turning our stuff around from this is happening to me to this is happening for me, ways we can be mindful, set new goals, and journal about these things in reflection. We've actually covered quite a lot, I think. Yes, very much so. Great. Well, thank you very much to Dr. Doug J. Moore, who is a psychologist and life coach, and he's just shared so many gold nuggets that you can take away and use in your life to experience that shift into thriving for the year ahead. So I hope you'll take some of these tips and use them in your life so that 2024 can be a whole new experience for you. And just before we clock off here, Doug, 
Can you tell people where they can find out more about you? The website that I have that has a lot of um, tools and courses around thriving and awakening is called thriveandawaken.com. And then my professional site about my services is dougjmore.com. Thanks so much for joining us today on Type 2 Diabetes Talk. You can find the show notes and Doug's website links and everything down at our website at type2diabetestalk.com. So I hope you'll go and check that out. And for our members, you can find the exclusive video version of this interview inside the member site with episode five. And you'll also find a range of other member perks available too. We've included a downloadable workbook alongside this show that you can use to plan out your goals for the year ahead and to effectively journal and track your progress. As I said, you can find those additional member resources inside the members site. If you're not a member yet, I'd highly encourage you to go check out our membership programs at type2diabetestalk.com forward slash programs. So yes, thanks again, Doug, and thank you to everyone. Have a great week. Dr. Jetta, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to Type 2 Diabetes Talk. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And for episode replays, episode notes, and more, visit type2diabetestalk.com. New episodes are available Tuesdays, 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time or your time zone equivalent. Thanks again. We're truly grateful to be a part of your life and help make a real difference.